All right, you ready for the word? How many of you believe he's still alive? Come on. Hey, I just want to remind you one more time. Uh, Kyle already mentioned it about um, Dr. Frank. Um, he's going to come here and he's going to be teaching us how we can, uh, you're going to find out some information that's really kind of scary because he's going to teach you how to find out how many people actually voted at your address? At your address. They have actually discovered now, and, shown, and he'll teach you how to go look at your own address and find out how many people actually voted in your house. One lady, one couple, I'm sorry, found that 10 people voted in their house. And he's going to expose the voter fraud. And if you don't think there's voter fraud, there's been voter fraud for a long time. But he's going to help you understand how to secure your next vote so that it doesn't get railroaded. So you're going to want to do that, okay? Hold your Bibles up. Say this with me out loud. This is my Bible. It's the living Word of God. has the power to change lives. And I declare by faith my life and the life of those around me will be changed by the Word. All right, go to the Gospel of John chapter. You can go any place, it's all good, but go to 19, okay? Go to John 19. Um, let, let's read it. Let's, let's go ahead and start with this. We're at media. We're going to go to 19, and we're going to start in verse 25. Now watch this. It's going to be on the screen for you, and watch it in your Bible, and follow along, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Obviously, this is the day of the crucifixion. Verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and remember he's on the cross, and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he said unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Now listen to what's going to happen. He looks at Mary and he says, I'm your son. Watch this. Verse 27. Then said he to the disciple, which is John, we'll find out later, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. Pick it up now, watch. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, as prophesied, he said, it is finished. Say that with me. It is finished. Now watch what happens now. And he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. The Jews, therefore... Because it was the preparation that day that the body should not remain in upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was nigh unto that day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So in other words, they're not dead. The day's running out of time. Break their legs. If they break their legs of all three of them, they lose the chance to thrust and get a breath, okay? Verse 32, Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first 
and the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, now get this, when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they've already declared him dead. They haven't done anything else. They know he's dead. These guards have a duty. If they mess this up, this is their main responsibility. If they mess this up, they're going to be in big trouble. And Rome wasn't gracious in any terms. So watch it says. They broke their legs first, and the other was crucified with them. But when they came to Jesus, saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. Completing the prophecy of the Old Testament that no bone of his body would be broken. Verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that uh, he knoweth that he is true that he might believe. For these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And finally, and again, another scripture said, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. So we have a dead Jesus. Everybody knows it, and it's clear. And so what we're going to deal with today is the fact that uh, if Jesus was crucified, let's say last Friday. Now, let's, let's hypothesize this. Let's, let's bring it up to here. Last Friday, because Jesus was crucified on Friday, as most scholars believe, is crucified on Friday. But then they find out on Sunday that he's alive. Now, if that happened last Friday, and today, this Sunday, we discovered it, it would get around the world just like that because of modern communication. It would be on Facebook, it would be on Instagram, it would be on TikTok, it would be all over the world in seconds, the world would know. And if that actually were to happen today, maybe it would look like this. This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. So, most of us, maybe not all of us here today or uh, watching by 
the live feed, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not positive. Most of us are because we've experienced it. But um, how do we communicate what we believe has really happened? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about evidence to the crucifixion that demands a verdict because there is evidence. There's evidence, there is actually a simulation of proof that if you'd be considering this, the evidence that demands, you make a choice, a decision. Will you or won't you believe today? Now, most of us here in the room today believe. We don't know how many don't. Maybe some of you are in question. But with all that's going on in the world, particularly in the last days, this is a crazy world. This is nuts. This is nuts where this is going. I mean, the craziness is just getting started. We haven't seen it all yet. And so what are we going to do? How are we going to be equipped to handle the days ahead? What are we going to do if, 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 if we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? How do we communicate it? How do we believe it? And how do we apply it to what's going on? Because if you don't yet believe that he was resurrected from the dead, obviously you believe he's dead. It was 2,000 years ago. So in the process, it's a bittersweet thing what we're going to talk about because, you see, we know that most of us know that he's alive and we believe that. The bitterness of that is those who don't believe and one day are going to find out. But it will be too late because they'll be left behind in a world in a state of absolute chaos and out of control. So once again, here we are on an Easter morning, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, which is either the greatest hoax the world has ever known, the greatest con job that's ever been produced, or it's absolutely totally real. So it's one or the other. You don't get any middle road. You either do believe or you don't believe. Now, here's the problem. One of the greatest hoax of recent times is the hoax of Enron. Those of you that know what happened with Enron, these knuckleheads swindled $75 billion on the stock market. Everybody believed the lie. They cooked the books and lied to everybody. And then we end up with the hoax of FTX. You guys remember this guy? This knucklehead? He swindled $8 billion from people while at the time <laughs> he had no clue about how really and what to do with it. While he was swindling $8 billion from people, he was living in a high-rise, expensive uh, apartment complex with a bunch of friends taking meth and having sex. That's what he was doing. And the problem is, nobody, including, who would you say? What would you say? You'd say Kevin O'Reilly. Anybody remember who Kevin O'Reilly is? Shark Tank, worth $500 billion, got involved. Okay. Well, what about Tom Brady? The NFL quarterback, also worth close to $500 billion. Both of them bought into the schemes. 
not even daring to check the evidence that was available just to see if maybe this wasn't really true. So if you understand the process you need, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus like they believed in the hoax, then you have to at least look at the evidence. And there's circumstantial evidence to the proof of Jesus. We're going to deal with it very quickly here this morning. But Brady and O'Reilly gambled on people's life savings. And nobody dared to check to find out if it was a lie or if it was the greatest hoax ever perpetrated. So that means we have to have, we can't have direct physical evidence to the resurrection of Jesus. We don't even have direct physical evidence to his execution. But what we do have is circumstantial evidence. And if you understand what circumstantial evidence is, circumstantial evidence is evidence that is so compelling without physical evidence that you can actually send someone to prison or have them executed on circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence means there's no direct physical. You don't, you, you don't have a gun. You don't have a knife. You don't have a camera. You don't have pictures. You don't have any direct evidence, but you have indirect evidence. And California leads the nation, the United States, in executions of people executed on circumstantial evidence without any physical proof. Like I said, no gun, no bullets, no knives, no fingerprints, no nothing. The whole world, the majority of the known world and civilized world, in their court systems, execute people. It's, you can look it up. Execute people on circumstantial evidence. Again, no gun, no bullet, nothing like that. So the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we're going to try it on circumstantial evidence. Because the issue is, is can you and I believe, number one, that he was resurrected? Of course, most of you do. If you've been born again, you believe. But starting with people in this room that we understand and people that are watching the live feed with no direct evidence, are we ready to believe on circumstantial evidence? It's not enough that you and I say, but I believe it in my heart. How do you explain that to someone? We need to be able, if this is the most important day to Christians all over the world, then how can we communicate this? You see, um, of, of all the people that, that believe in Easter and the resurrection and all of that, the circumstantial evidence is scary. How many people actually have never heard about Jesus, never heard about his execution, and never heard about his resurrection? How many people in this room have never heard about the resurrection of Jesus? I think it's probably zero. How many people in this valley, 160 plus thousand people, if you only go a half a percent, how many of a thousand people, do you think there are a thousand people in this community that have never heard the name of Jesus? It's Easter. Who hasn't heard about it? And if you go on, you go through the, the, the states of the nation, you go on into the United States, in California, there's 139,000 people, if you go by the population, there's 390 
95 million people that live in California. That would mean over a million people in California have never heard. That's not tenable. Doesn't make state. Doesn't make sense. So have they personally reconciled the people that have heard? Have they personally reconciled that Jesus really was resurrected? Can you prove it? Because if indeed we are responsible to communicate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as proof that he's the Son of God, how are we going to explain that? How do we show people that it's really true? He personally reconciled. Can we reconcile? First Peter says this, 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God where? In your heart. So in other words, you've got to have it in your heart. Before you walk out today, you're going to have this so deep in your heart, you're going to be so convinced that when somebody asks you if Jesus was really resurrected, you can look them in the eye and tell them. Okay? So you understand that it says very clearly, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give that answer. When we go out of here today, you're going to go to lunch, you're going to be with family and friends, you're going to be around unsaved people, and for the rest of your life, you're going to be around unsaved people. You're going to walk out today with enough proof that you can prove that Jesus was dead and raised from the dead. And you're going to be able to watch it again on live feed. You can take your notes if you want. So if it's provable, then is there hope for the future? There has to be, because our world's spinning out of control. The craziness and the lies are incredible. It's because the New Testament church people believed, even those who never saw the resurrection of Jesus or his crucifixion. So why don't people believe in the resurrection today? Because there's, they don't have any proof. People don't believe in Jesus because they have no proof that he is what they said he is. They haven't been given enough tangible evidence. So let's produce some evidence. So secular historians say this, first part of evidence. This is secular historians, not believing historians. Secular historians accept circumstantial evidence, okay, of the crucifixion, the death by crucifixion of Jesus. So why don't we look at the evidence and bring it to a conclusion, okay? So you may want to write this down. You may not. You may want to take notes. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You can listen to it again. Again, circumstantial evidence. One more time. Circumstantial evidence means indirect evidence that proves beyond a reasonable doubt that something happened. So we're going to do this. As California leads the nation in circumstantial evidence. Okay? All right? So here we go. Historical evidence. Jesus was tried, number one. Jesus was tried by Pontius Pilate. Historical evidence. Historians confirm this, that he was tried by Pontius Pilate, a Roman, the Roman governor of Palestine at the time and the city of Jerusalem, on a Friday morning three days ago, and he testified that there is evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus, it's historically documented, documented that he was tried, and not only tried, but convict, convicted, and that he was scourged. Remember the cat of nine tails? It's interesting that Pilate's, the, the, the Jews said to, to Pilate, listen, we don't want this guy anymore. When you're going to get rid of him, 
or we're going to cause trouble. We're going to cause a riot. And when the, when the message gets to Rome and Rome finds out that you've lost control of the area, we're blackmailing you, buddy. You better make sure this guy's dead. They've threatened him. They've made it very, very clear. So the documented historical evidence that he was flogged. Now, if you know anything about the flogging of Jesus, it was a cat of nine tails, as to some people say it was a cat of nine tails. The Romans had a whip, a flagrum, and that whip either had nine, nine tassels to it. On the end would be a piece of bone or metal, sharp bone or metal. Or it had three, another one would have three with three pieces in it. Either way, nine. And he's given 40 lashes. And when you're, when you're dealt with like this, can you help me with the baby staff? I'd appreciate it. Um, it when you were whipped with a flagrum by the Romans, that meant you had 40 lashes, nine pieces of flesh torn out of you, each lash. So, nine times 40 is how much? 365 days a year. Interesting, a little fact, doesn't prove anything, but it proves that he was beaten. Everybody believes that. Number two, people were not satisfied with the fact that his body was dead. They wanted evidence. They wanted Jesus dead and they wanted proof. So how are they going to get proof? The people said, Pilate, you're out of here if you don't show up with a body when this is over, okay? Number three, Pilate ordered Jesus' body once he's crucified and his legs aren't broken. Pilate ordered his body taken down off the cross and that he wanted to see the body. He wanted evidence. Pilate said, I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to look at it. I want to see the flies circling around the blood. I want to see that his lungs aren't pumping. So what did the people do? They crucify Jesus, and they take him to Pilate. So they nail him on the cross, 9 a.m. Pick this up now. They've nailed him on the cross by 9 a.m., and 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Jesus is dead. Pilate says, bring the body. So they bring the body. The Roman executioners want to make sure that he's dead, because you see, if Jesus is faking it or somehow survives this, they're dead. They were executioners, and if they failed their task, they paid with their lives. So, what does one soldier do? He takes a spear, and with a spear, he spears Jesus in the side, and the Bible tells us blood and water poured from his side. That means that spear went into the pericardial sac that goes around the heart. And that sac contains moisture or liquid and when he spears him, it pierces the pericardial sac, and that's where the blood and water comes from that the Bible talks about. So the Roman executioners have made sure to be safe for themselves that this is a dead man. Next, the body is removed and then embalmed in the traditional way. Now, not embalmed in the way that we think of it today, pumped with fluid, but because it's Passover, the Jews have a problem. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and by sundown, let's say 6. By sundown, the next day starts, because the Hebrew day starts and ends at sundown. So in other words, 
Friday ends at sundown and Sunday, Saturday morning begins. They have about three hours to get the body off the cross, embalm it, and get it in the tomb. And the guards know, okay, they walk off and they go, yeah. Well, Pilate says, wait a minute. Don't give the Jews the body. Bring it to me. I want to see the body. Because Pilate knew if this isn't true and it gets to Rome, he's a dead man. So Pilate says, bring me the body. I want to see it. And they take the body to Pilate. And Pilate looks at it. He's convinced he has a corpse. That's all he needs to know. About that time, sometime between 3 and 6 or sundown, as he's in possession of the body, Joseph of Arimathea shows up and he says, Pilate, can I have the body? I, 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 I want to bury him respectfully. I want to bury him in a Jewish manner. And Pilate goes, I don't need the body anymore. He's dead. So now we have an absolutely dead man. And now that he's dead, now Joseph uh, and uh, Nicodemus, they embalm his body. They wrap him in the clothes and they put him in the tomb and all the things that you know about. And the tomb is sealed. Now, Pilate does something interesting. Pilate says, but wait a minute. I want to make sure that nobody steals his body and claims that he was resurrected. So Pilate says to his Praetorian guard, guys, you're going to spend the night at the tomb. I want you to go to the tomb. I want you to make sure they put the body in the tomb and then roll the stone over the tomb and I want you to put my Roman seal, wax seal on the tomb so nobody gets in that tomb. And you guys stay there until the next morning. So nobody, and we're doing this because they claimed he would be up in three days. You guys better take lunch because you're going to be there until this is over. Got it? So pretty much we have good historical evidence. Secular historians believe that Jesus was crucified. And so we know what the story is. If you read the story that Jesus is in the tomb and um, they don't realize that something has happened. So at night, when Mary shows up to finish the embalming, she shows up and there's no guard. There's nobody there. And the tomb is open. Remember what she says? Who's taking the body? Well, where are the Roman guards? Well, the Bible tells us that an angel showed up and knocked everybody out. Can you see the Roman guards all taking a nap? While Jesus is coming out of the tomb. There's no body. And the Roman guards, they realize, guys, we are in trouble. They've taken the body, and we don't know what's happened to it. So now we have a missing body, and nobody knows where it's at. And here's the, here's the interesting part, that the Roman guards, they vanish from the place. Mary shows up, and um, there's no body there. And then it tells us, that he's standing there and he must have tapped her on the shoulder and said, Mary. And what, remember what the scripture says? She falls down and she says, my Lord and my God. She knew immediately who it was. And so in the process now, we have a missing body. 
Now, how do we know for sure all that's true? Well, you have enough evidence right there that he's dead. Now you've heard that he's resurrected. And so, if you remember in the process, the steps from the upper room, when Jesus last talked to the disciples, and you've heard me say this to you for decades, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, five chapters of the Bible, the last words of Jesus, the night before the crucifixion, Jesus tells them what's going to happen. And he pretty much leads them on a course to understand that something supernatural is going to happen with him. So why do we continue to believe? And why did they believe? Well, let's, let's go to some more circumstantial evidence because now we know that Pilate confirmed that he's dead. The soldiers confirmed that he's dead. The Jews confirmed he's dead. He's dead! So watch the evidence to the resurrection, okay? Well, if he wasn't resurrected, and he was, because he appeared on the third night, he shows up in the upper room. Remember the disciples after the resurrection? They've heard that they're in the upper room, and they're all bummed out. They've heard, you know, the, the body's missing. What do you mean the body's missing? This is crazy. Somebody stole the body. Can you imagine how depressing that must be? Somebody's faking the resurrection. And in the room, while they're all talking to one another and praying, Jesus comes walking through the wall, walking through a closed room, walks in and says, I'm sure it was like this. Ah. <laughs> and everybody's like, dude, well, you know, is this real? Can you imagine what that must have been like? Now, if that wasn't really true and they never really saw Jesus and they never really touched him, it never really happened that Jesus said to Thomas, remember doubting Thomas who wasn't there the first time Jesus showed up to them? When, when Jesus shows up to them in another closed room, Thomas is finally there, the guy who didn't believe. And Jesus says to Thomas, stop Thomas, here, put your finger in the holes in my hand are here. Look at the spear hole in my side. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, why do we believe in the resurrection if we've never seen it and we don't know about it? But you have to think about this. Peter was willing to be crucified because he refused to stop telling everybody Jesus was resurrected. Jesus... Peter said, no, you're going to crucify me? Don't crucify me like Jesus. I'm not worthy. Turn me upside down. I want to be crucified upside down. And they said, Peter, all you got to do is say, you made it up. No, let's go to Mark. Mark was drugged, dragged rather, dragged through the streets of Alexandria on cobblestone streets by his feet with his head behind very slowly, waiting for him to say, okay, we made it up. Can you imagine being dragged on a cobblestone street like that, and you're holding your head up while your legs and your back are being stripped of flesh, and you're holding your head up just to keep your head from knocking. Just, just say you lied. Rather, he died. What about Thomas, the doubter? 
Historians, some of the historians tell us that they said, Thomas, if you don't deny him, I'm sorry to be so rude, but they said, bend over because we're going to spear you rectally. He said, I won't deny it. Okay? What about Andrew? Okay? Andrew was flogged and then crucified. Philip, tortured to death by waterboarding. James was sawn in half. And some of the historians say he was hung upside down and they started in the groin. Would not doubt. Jude was crucified. And Saul, who is Paul, his original persecutor, who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen for believing. Paul said, do what you got to do, and I will never turn my back. There's enough circumstantial evidence right there to say to anyone, if you have half a heart for the truth, how can you dare deny this is true? Something for all of us to consider in this closing of the discussion around the table today. Something that you might consider. That Jesus was sinless and all of our infirmities and all of our sins were crucified with him. Jesus was crucified on a cross. Why was the cross so important? Why was it elemental? Why did he have to die that way? You see, Jesus was dying for everybody's sin. Your, mine, and everybody from Adam to the last person born. Jesus gave his life on a cross as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. Why is he paying for our sins? Well, Jesus is considered the second Adam. Who's the first Adam? That's Adam in the garden. He's the one that got this all out of, out of whack. What did he do? Remember, he, he, what did he do? He took what from the tree? Obedience. Okay? So, we have a tree in the garden, and there's fruit on that tree. And God had told Adam, you don't take anything off the, you don't even touch this tree. You leave it alone. And there's Eve. What does she do? Listen, girls. There's Eve. Come on, listen, girls. It's going to get worse before it gets better. She removes obedience from the tree. Okay? Why is Jesus called the second Adam? It should have been the second Eve. It was the second Adam because, you see, when Eve knew the instructions and heard about leaving the tree alone, she had to have gotten that from Adam because she hadn't been created. She wasn't created until after God told Adam, you don't mess with that tree. So Adam turns around and says, well, okay, it'll be your problem. So Adam takes a bite. And as soon as he takes a bite, he becomes responsible. You see, he removed obedience from the tree. But now Jesus dies on a tree. And when he dies on a tree, he puts obedience back there for you and I. It's for us. It's for you and I. And that obedience, and, 
And so if you remember, you remember in the issues, the, 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 do you, do you, matter of fact, to this day, everybody who believes in the death, burial, and the resurrection, because if you don't connect the resurrection to the death, it's incomplete. But if you can reconcile, you understand that there's enough circumstantial proof that it's true. Why would you not want to know this and believe this? But if you understand this, you understand that that gives those of us who believe in it hope that one day when Jesus comes back, and it could be this year, when he comes back, he's going to appear in all of his glory, and you know what he's going to have? Holes in his hands and a hole in his side. And he's going to show the whole world it was true. And the Bible says, those of us that are alive when he returns, we're out of here. And everybody in the grave that died one day in the hopes and in the faith that Jesus would, everybody in the grave that believed will be resurrected at the same time. Do you, do you know that, I've told you this before, do you know why, it, it, you, if you go to any cemetery in America and most of the world, do you know that all the headstones are at the west of the cemetery? And if you read a headstone in a cemetery, you have to face west to read it. Because the tradition started that when the Christians are resurrected, they're coming up this way, they'll be facing Jesus who's coming in the east. You go look in any cemetery and you'll find it true. Because one day Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's coming back to show us, now remember the thief on the cross? Remember all that's happened for you and I? That this day is so elemental and so crucial and so important that let's do this today. Remember the thief on the cross. Remember the guy who says, you know, they're all hanging there and, and one of the guys turns to him and says, hey, look, Lord, would you, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Would you remember me? And Jesus said, Sure. That's it. Okay, now listen, hang on. Okay, you got it. In a few hours, they're dead. This guy goes directly to paradise. Paradise is the place in the Old Testament where people died before Jesus in the faith that Jesus would come. This guy goes into paradise. He's had no church He's had no religion. He's had no instructions. He hasn't prayed the sinner's prayer. He hasn't done anything but ask. That's all he's done. And you can imagine, now everybody says it's St. Peter. In the Old Testament, remember they would go into Gehenna, that place, that holding tank? He shows up there, and everybody goes, what are you doing here? You're the thief. He doesn't have any answers. What does he say? And maybe, maybe, maybe it would look like this. Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend, 
You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, I don't know. Well, you know, did Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Ranger. So, we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> Actually, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now. That's all it takes. There is no printed salvation prayer. I'm not against it. You know I do it all the time with people. But you can't do anything to make yourself worthy. Neither can I. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. Nobody will ever deserve it. The only thing you have to do is take it. It's a free gift. That's all. And so in the process, think of it in that manner. That, you know, the, 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 the whole idea that somehow we've made Jesus so hard to explain. And I'm not against the explanations, but we made it so hard. It's just like, how can we, how can we go to Stater Brothers or the gas pump or wherever you go, how can we go to work with people next week and, and not just simply say, there's nothing you can do but believe. Just ask. Jesus isn't waiting for a set of words. I'm not against the sinner's prayer. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm, I'm not against that at all. I'm just saying, you and I who now believe it have got to stop making it so hard and make it so easy. A lot of people go, well, you're going to make it easy for people. How do you know? We're going to create heretics. We don't need to create them. We have you. Just ask them, are you ready to believe? And if they are, just ask them, pray, Jesus, I want to know. Quote to them what happened to the thief on the cross. He had no answers when he got into paradise. I can imagine whoever was guarding the door going, how did he get here? And I'm sure when Jesus was resurrected, remember what he did? He went to paradise. The Bible says after he's... After he's been crucified, he presents himself before the Father. And then the Bible says he descended into the lower parts of the earth. And whew, he goes right, right past what's called Gehenna, that holding place in the Old Testament, under the earth, above hell, but not on the earth. And he goes right past everybody that was in there by grace. Adam, Moses, Abraham, everybody. They see what's happening, and Jesus goes right by them. And they go, whoa, wait a minute, stop, stop. 
goes right past the thief that's standing in the door, still trying to get in. And pew, right down into Hades. Walks up to Lucifer and says, I want the keys to death, hell, and the grave right now. And Jesus ascends up and goes to paradise and maybe or maybe not, the thief got in by that time. All I know is Jesus walked in a room and the place went crazy. And Jesus walked all the way back to the back of the room and found a guy sitting on a bench. And he sat down next to him and he said, Adam, what were you thinking? <laughs> and tears in Adam's eyes and he realized no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. He's free and free at last. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's for you today. There's nothing you can do but accept the gift. That's it. You can't be good enough. Nobody's good enough. The only one that was ever good enough was him, Jesus. And he died in your place and in my place. And all you have to do is say, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know like the thief. Remember me. If that's you and you haven't yet done it, then make that decision right here, right now. Let him prove himself to you because nobody else can prove to you the way he can. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I want to ask you this question. Maybe you've never asked that or maybe you don't have the assurance of eternal life. The greatest thing we can say to you today is, do you know where you're going when death comes to your door? Or do you know if you're going, if Jesus comes back before you die? If you don't know for sure, and you want to know for sure, with every head bowed, please, and every eye closed, if you're not sure, and you want to know, then I'm going to come down each aisle. Start praying, saints. And if you don't know and you want to know, you just simply look up and make eye contact with me. I'm going to come down here. And if you're not sure, come and make it sure today. If you're not sure, look at me. If I'm not pointing right at you and I don't see your eyes, I'll point at you. Over here, keep praying, saints. Don't miss it. Is that what you want, ma'am? Ma'am, are you looking at me for that? Yes. God bless you. Back here. Don't miss this chance, please. I don't know what's going to happen the next few. Is that you, ma'am? God bless you, ma'am. Proud of you. Pray, saints, pray. Please don't miss this opportunity. He loves you so much. He cares so much for you. That he came, he would have come for you and you alone. Now, are you looking at me for that, ma'am? Yes. Ma'am, is that what you want? God bless you, ma'am. Proud of you. Over here on this side. If you're not sure, don't miss this. Please don't miss it. Is that what you want, sir? God bless you, sir. Yes. Keep.
keep praying, saints. Keep praying. One more chance over here. Is that what you want, sir? God bless you. Proud of you, man. God bless you. Okay, church, look up. We're going to pray this prayer real quick. It's just a statement of faith. And you know what? We're going to believe that Jesus is going to come into your heart and into your life just like he did with that guy on the cross. So pray this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe Jesus died. I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe he's forgiven me of my sin. And I accept his gift of eternal life and my forgiveness in Jesus' name. Welcome to the family of God. As we finish here this morning, as we close, let's do this. There are going to be people on this side of the, there's a green line up here, people on this side of the line. They're people that I know, that they're friends, they're, they're people of faith, people of courage, they've done exactly what you've done and they've walked it out. They're here to pray for you. If you have a physical need, an emotional need, whatever it is you need in your life. But if you looked up, please, I'm asking you, there's one last thing that you need to do. You need to tell somebody before you leave this building, I looked up. You need to tell somebody, I was one of those people. I don't care if it's somebody that came with you or some stranger. You need to confess out loud, I did that. And I'm not ashamed that I did that. Because Jesus does say, if you're ashamed of me before other people, I'm going to be ashamed of you and what's going on. You understand? So, don't leave the building today until you look somebody in the eye. Even if it's a stranger and you walk by and go, it was me, I did it. <laughs> okay? Got to let everybody know. Would you stand? Get a hold of somebody, a hoof, a paw, or a claw. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Send us into a lost, lonely, and broken world with the message of hope and eternal life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter.